Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast again. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Pores, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com. We have a very special treat here. We have Dr. Matthew Betts, again, 2.0, board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, physical therapist, host of the Red Shirts FF Pod, at Red Shirts FF Pod, co-owner of at Ball Blast FB, injury expert DFS Pod, the at FF Ballers. I'm excited for that one, by the way. Um, and he's also a member of the SWA. How's it going, man? Dude, I'm doing great. I am super excited to be back on the mic with you. This is our second show of the summer, and like you were saying before we started recording, we usually have the same takes on these injuries, so uh, I hope that we can bring the listeners like a lot of really solid injury information right before one of the biggest draft weekends of the year, um, and just get them ready to crush, man, so I'm excited. Absolutely. How many drafts have you done? Oh, gosh. Uh, or I guess maybe the question is, how many drafts do you have left? <laughs> Okay, so I don't have any more drafts left on the dock. I am going to plan to do at least like one or two more best balls over the weekend. And mm-hmm. then for me, it's right into DFS season. So fortunately, I'm nice. done with the redraft leagues. Uh, but yeah, man, too many to count. <laughs> too many to count. That's right. Well, you're going to need some injury info. Everybody's Everybody out there is going to need some injury info in your head. So let's start right off the bat. Let's start with the receivers. Man, I've been saying since the beginning, this is AJ Green. 32-year-old with a history of hamstring and connective tissue injuries with, you know, a a reduction in athleticism compared to what the last time we saw him in 2018. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you just don't know, right? Like, we haven't seen him on the field in a couple of years. And obviously, last year, missed the entire season with that ankle injury, which required surgery. Um, Based off reports, he had a, a cartilage injury inside the joint. And as you know, those take time and they're just painful to try to play through. So it could go well, it could be a train wreck. We, we really don't know. Um, but just to speak to your point, already picked up a hamstring strain in training camp. He has a documented history of that. We know the risk goes up by 1.3 times every year the athlete gets older. Yeah, I, I don't have AJ Green this year. I'm out. I'm just going to go risk averse uh, in that range. Yeah, I just think that in that range you can get because I don't, I don't honestly know his ADP, but the last time I checked, I was looking, and you could you can get like, I felt like you could get a Cortland Sutton. Um, I felt like at, depending on where, uh, what draft or what what site you looked at, you could have gotten like a Terry McLaurin that you love. I know you love Terry McLaurin. Like, oh yeah, I don't know, dude. Like you just for the upside, I just don't see it with AJ Green. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel you. All right, man. How about another dude with a hamstring issue from last year? Um, but he's probably the highest, I think he is, he's the highest ranked dude, the highest ranked receiver even, um, of this group here that we're going to talk about this trio. It's uh, Adam Thielen. What do you think about him? Is he a risk this year? Is he not? What do you think? Yeah, I've bought back in to the bounce back here with Adam Thielen. And it's mostly because throughout his time in the league, he has shown an ability to stay on the field with the exception of last year. Now, of course, we all know that the hamstring injuries can be tricky and can have that, uh, recurrence factor, but He's a guy who I don't know about you, but like there's certain players that I just trust to to do the right thing and like put in the right work. I feel like that's kind of dangerous, but but that's the case. No, no, it's Adam Thielen. And, you know, going off the the overall big picture, we haven't seen him miss a ton of time off the field. Last year was a different story. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt with just being one occurrence of the hamstring strain. Now, you're a, a a unicorn in the industry. You're an injury analyst and you are a ranker. Do you know, do you remember where you have him ranked? I do. I have him at 11 in my ranks. Ooh, spicy. That's a spicy one. I got to say, I think I like him. Um, you, you do worry about the hamstring injury a little bit. You worry about his age. 
Um, but at the same time, the volume, uh, traditionally what the Vikings do with Adam Thielen, who else are they going to throw the ball to? I mean, just all of that combined, um, I can see it. I definitely think he's got the upside to, to meet those expectations. Uh, I agree with that. All right, man. Here's a guy maybe we'll take a little more dialogue. I've, I've been trying to pick it apart in my head. I put out at Fantasy Points the the uh, injury profile on Will Fuller, and I've somehow come, come around on him. I took him in my home league last year. He's my wide receiver, gosh, like five, um, which was pretty good value, I guess, at that point. Will Fuller, man, what do you think? Yeah, this is, it's so tricky. Everyone wants the simple answer of like, do it or don't, yes or no. Is he going to stay on the field or not? And it, it's not that conversation, right? I'm, as you know, uh, it's just so difficult because there are red flags all over the place with this guy. Obviously, the injury history is, is lengthy. But if you're talking about it from a relative risk perspective, Last year, I'm sure you were preaching this to, all, to everyone that listened to you too, is like, don't even bother. Don't touch him. Like, we know the hamstring issues, obviously coming off the ACL surgery. It was just recipe for disaster, right? But this season, it, it, if you're talking about whether I have confidence in him this year versus last year, it's a complete 180. Now, do I think he's going to play 16 games? Probably not, based off of his track record. But the risk of, of his ADP is really not that bad. If you're telling me he's a guy, like, let's say he's... If he's someone like an Adam Thielen, who he's just always been on the field and he's healthy, but he's always been behind DeAndre Hopkins. If he has the same injury profile as Adam Thielen, I mean, he's going, what, in the second round as Deshaun Watson's number one wide receiver? Right. So the fact that you can get him late as, like you're saying, a wide receiver four or five, like you, I have a little bit of Will Fuller this year. It wasn't the plan going in, but the value is there. And so, yeah, you just have to understand what you're getting into. It's a volatile pick. You might be able to pick and choose the weeks he's in, but... Yeah, it's tough, man. He's a player that I just wish could stay on the field, but you know, certainly the injury risk is certainly there. I think one thing that that helped to turn me, um, that helped in my head, Will Fuller turn from uh, from a villain to a babyface, like the the old heel turn, like in WWE. <laughs> for me, yeah. was the uh, the I didn't know that he didn't miss a game in college. I mean, as a redshirt, yeah. or I didn't he redshirt. Sorry, as a I think as a freshman. He didn't play some games. He wasn't active. I'm not sure if it was because of, of injury or not. But the dude literally was was healthy for 13 games, two years in a row. And then he gets to the league, and all of a sudden, he can't stay on the field. So that was a selling point for me, definitely. Um, another selling point was, I know that it, like Twitter is so big on you know narratives and, and training camp videos and hype videos and guys going on air and making a catch they should make you know on air. But for me, when I read into narratives and when I when I listen to what what players are doing in the offseason, sort of like you were saying, when I hear I don't know about you, you can tell me what you think. When I hear a player is they've recommitted to their strength and conditioning program or they've altered their diet or they've you know, they picked up yoga, they picked up Pilates, um, they're talking to different trainers, they switch trainers. You know, when I hear all of that stuff coming from consistent sources like you have for Will Fuller, um, it gives me hope. And it sort of, at least in my eyes, it gives me uh, something to look forward to, to where for me, like in 2020, I'm saying to myself, okay, this is, if this, if it doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen, but I'm willing to give Will Fuller this last year to show what he's, the changes that he's made. Yeah. I think that's a great point too. Um, I don't know if you saw the, it was a YouTube video of Will Fuller's interview after practice about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Uh, I can send it to you if not, but basically he was talking about trying to change his posture and his pelvis position 
uh, with sprinting with his new trainer to try to reduce the risk of these recurring hamstring issues. So yeah, I mean, the the bright side is like, okay, this guy recognizes it's a problem. And he recognizes that, you know, he's got a huge opportunity in front of him. He tried to take the steps in the offseason to correct it. Will he? We're not sure. But at least he's he's taking the right steps and doing that. So yeah, man, I'm with you. It's all about relative risk. And if you've built a really safe roster early in the draft, like, why not? Where do you have him ranked? I have him currently at wide receiver 32. Oh, I think he gets smashed there. Yeah. I mean, he's a value, I think, because, I mean, the range of outcomes, of course, is massive. He could be like wide receiver 60 if he misses half a season. <laughs> but that's I, that's like baked in, right? Yeah, for sure. And then that's that's really the rationale for guys like you and I that are injury analysts to say, okay, maybe it's worth it this year. Right, exactly. No, that's good stuff, man. I agree 100% on Fuller. What about Jalen Rigor, man? Rieger, how do you say it? Rieger or Rigor? Rieger. Rieger. Okay, I've been saying it wrong my entire life that I've known about him, which is like three months. Um, yeah, Jalen Rieger. <laughs> so uh, essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? When I look at the injury that he had to his shoulder, I mean, it was at least a subluxation. Do you disagree with that? No, 100% with you. And for any listeners that aren't aware of what that is, basically, you can think of it as like a partial dislocation where the you know, the ball and socket of the shoulder doesn't fully come out where it's out of placement, but kind of, I don't know what the right word is here, but basically kind of like moves a little inside the joint more than it should, but not a full dislocation. But yeah, I'm with you. That's, that's definitely uh, what I'm reading into with the situation. The scientific term is uh finagles. It's way out of the joint. <laughs> exactly. You wanted to use that. Yeah. Yeah. Finagles is way out of the joint. Damages the labrum. The labrum is the shelf that prevents the, the lab, the, the shoulder from coming out of place again. Once you, um, once you injure that for the listeners, once you make that loose, I guess, once you knock it loose, um, really there's not a ton you can do to make it restable as stable as it was before you dislocated other than surgery. So when you look at Rieger, you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is a situation that you have to monitor now. He's a lot more volatile, at least in my opinion. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he's more volatile uh, in 2020 and moving forward because you do have such a high rate. You know, this is basically the Dalvin Cook injury, maybe not to that great extent. He could still come out of this um, and be okay and not re-dislocate, but it definitely is a risk. And I was also, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, my opinion is I don't care when somebody like Rappaport or Schefter, no disrespect to them, I don't really care when they add their caveats of like, it was a small tear or, you know, it was a medium sized. Like, I don't really, I don't really take that into account because it doesn't matter how small it was if it's subluxed, right? I mean, do you disagree with that? Well, no. And the other thing with that is like, that's such a, you know, that's like three categories, small, medium or large tear. (laughs) Clearly not the language you and I use day to day in the clinic. And so it depends on the location. It depends on the size, which all that is on the MRI. And so you can't really speak to what those guys are saying. So yeah, I'm with you. That's, it's tough to read into. I'll it could be, that. it could be medium. It could be a medium size. Like exactly. Just, it just, it's all relative, right? What matters for the listeners from a fantasy perspective is that he's definitely at a higher risk. Now he's a lot more volatile um, in terms of, if, of re-injury risk, which sucks. Cause I think he had, a, he had a really good chance to, as a rookie, right? Push as push for the number one uh, role in Philadelphia. I mean, kind of just based off of what they even have. So I was wondering what that did to him in your ranks. Yeah, I dropped him down quite a bit. I was actually rising on him. I mean, all the reports were just glowing on uh, Rager coming out of Philly. And like you said, Alshon Jeffrey going to start on Pup. Um, Deshaun Jackson, always an injury risk. 
and then you know Marquise Gilman opting out like the the stars were just aligning for him to be the guy there and so I, I was rising on him I ended up dropping him down to wide receiver 53 in my ranks with the news of the shoulder I don't think he'll be there week one and, and maybe week three he comes back something like that and then you have to factor in too, like okay he probably plays with the harness on his shoulder right to limit the range of motion to protect the joint Correct. does that change his catch radius does it does it change his confidence level playing so all those things are factors yeah I've got him as like a, a late round dart throw at this point yeah, that's something that I think I, you, I saw you make that point on Twitter. Um, and that was a really good point is that the the catch radius, if he does indeed wear that sling mechan- mechanism thingy to prevent his shoulder from flying in all directions, that's going to affect him. And then the second thing that I immediately thought of when, when I read that tweet from you was um, when he jumps up, for example, like let's say it's a jump ball, right? Let's say he's back in week three or four. He goes up for a jump ball. His shoulders, his arms are raised up over his head. Well, in physical therapy, there's there's a test that is literally called the apprehension test. And basically, for those of you listening, you lay a patient on their back and you take their shoulder and you sort of just push it backwards until the the anterior part. And we're assuming that it's the front part of the labrum that he that he tore. We could be wrong here. Um, but essentially, you just a positive test would be considered a, a patient that either stops you or they they become it becomes painful for them or they basically literally tell you please stop because they they feel that sensation of it coming out and i think that speaks to the um the psychological and i mean the physiological effects that an injury can have even if it's not painful putting it in different positions can change a player's confidence and player confidence i think is so underrated um what do you think about that yeah dude i'm with you for sure i mean that's just anecdotally speaking, right? Like we work with these uh, patients and athletes in the clinic all the time. And it's just like, you could do, you could be doing all the right things from a, a rehab perspective, from nutrition, from, you know, whatever. But like, if you don't have the confidence to go out there and trust your shoulder, your knee, your ankle, whatever it is, it definitely affects performance, no doubt. Absolutely. I think that's, that's pretty much the skinny on, on Rieger. Um, the hope is he just moves on from this and, and, and it's not an issue again, but, you know, time will tell from that perspective. All right, man, here's another big one. We're moving on to running backs. Another big one we've been talking about all offseason. Uh, for the people who are going to draft this weekend, what 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 do you say? What does Dr. Matthew Betts say about drafting James Conner from an injury perspective? Ooh, that's tough. Around two months ago, like in best ball drafts, his ADP was awesome it was like fifth round and at that point you know it's like okay the risk of someone that could be a top 10 back is certainly worth it his ADP is rising I feel like people are coming around on him and I've kind of shied away I mean listen the the injury history is quite lengthy I know I've heard you talk about this with Justin Boone on the the score podcast about like potentially the previous cancer treatments have a role in his recurring connective tissue injuries which we're talking about like ligament injuries and that kind of thing he's got the history of the high ankle sprain quad injury uh the shoulder injury of last year it's a lengthy history and they're talking about giving him a full workload this year now if they do that i can't project him for 16 games but if you're telling me you can get him as like an rb3 and you got two studs to to start the draft then yeah he's a high upside pick but man he is he is risky no doubt where do you have him ranked i have him at rb20 I like that. I think that the <laughs> just the hedge a hedge rank on it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, you, need you, you need to cover your bases. The guy that misses time, I'd be like, you know what, this is a top twelve back. But oh my gosh, I know. 
the thing about him, him, that's the thing. It's like, it's like the, it's like the, the idea of taking him is exciting. Cause you're like, man, this guy could take on a full workload. He could be fine. Um, maybe the injuries really were just a fluke. Then you remember that he's missed 13 or he's, he's finished 13, 12 and nine games over the last three years. And it just, at this, at, at some point it just becomes a pattern that this is happening. And I don't know, for me, it's a lot more difficult to trust him. I won't take him as anything more than, than an RB three. Personally, I don't do ranks necessarily, but that's how I view him in my head is that if he goes down, he goes down and I can live to fight another day with another running back. But, um, and at that point I'm not getting him in any drafts. I think I've done most of my drafts. I think I like one or two left. Um, I don't have him in any, any drafts and I'm not doing any best balls. I need to get in a best ball, by the way, but Dude, get in there, man. It's not a fun. I know I need to, I need to. We'll okay. So that's it on. Sorry, go ahead. I said, we'll do one this weekend, you and me. Yeah, let's do it. Dude, send me an invite. All right, so let's see here. There's not a lot for me. I don't really, I'm not aware of any specific literature or um, any studies or any statistics really on Chris Carson's type of injury, his hip fracture. I mean, what do you know about the injury? Because for me, I've been telling people on Twitter and and, and on, on this podcast, I just, there's not a lot to say. Like, we just don't know. So that, that puts question marks around Chris Carson. But what do you think about Chris Carson going into 2020? Yeah, I feel like my confidence level actually in him is rising in recent weeks. And it's mostly because of the fact that in this offseason, obviously, with what's been going on in our country, like, we don't, aren't normally seeing like these guys doing, you know. Are you talking about the coin shortage? Yes, exactly. Is that what you're referring to? Ah, yes. <laughs> the great okay. coin shortage Continue. of 2020. <laughs> Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. No, 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 it's, it's all good. The uh, the situation was just different, right? So you couldn't watch these guys doing their workouts and OTAs or get reports from the, the beat reporters of what they're doing. So like up until July, it was just like a complete crapshoot. Like where is Chris Carson in his rehab? We have no idea. But the fact that he was able to avoid surgery is a positive. It means there was no uh, dislocation or instability in the joint, which is great. The second factor, just looking at his injury profile is he kind of has this history of like, one and done type injuries you know like um he had the lower leg fracture and of course now he has the hip fracture he doesn't really have those like recurring soft tissue injuries like a, a hamstring or a calf or uh, an instant unstable shoulder that you're like oh man i'm worried about this like those kind of things right so i'm rising on him a little bit but like you're saying you know we don't have great data to be like oh there's been 50 other running backs that have the same profile here's how we project it to perform we really don't know but with how much they love him in Seattle and how much they're going to run the ball, I've actually been taking him quite a bit, like in the third and fourth round as an RB2. Um, I, I'm, I'm in on, on Chris Carson this year. Okay, you make me a little more confident, to be honest, here, to hear you say that, because I, I just genuinely didn't know how to feel about him and what to feel about him. But um, I mean, that makes sense. And I think I just <laughs> I just needed to, I needed to hear somebody like you say that. So I, I feel a little better about Someone him. else tell me this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, and, he, and and when I draft him, you know, this weekend or whatever, and he gets hurt, then I I know where to go to, so I can blame it. Literally zero accountability on my end. It's, it's fantastic. Exactly. Um, okay, dude, talk to us about Alvin Kamara. Can you can you explain for the listeners what's going on? He had an injection. What does that mean? Uh, what's the short term implications? Long term implications? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, it's a, a really tricky situation to discuss because. Of course, there was the first report from Tom Pelissero that I feel like broke Twitter that was like, you know, he's been away from the team. He had an epidural injection. Um, you know, hopefully they can get the contract worked out. And then all of a sudden, the next day, 
Rappaport saying it's a, an injection for the SI joint for inflammation. At this point, it's it's a matter of semantics, right? Like which one of those is correct or is it a little bit of both? Or, you know, is it just the pain presentation is similar? And for our listeners who aren't aware, like the lower joints of the low back can refer down into like the back of the hip and the glute. So they could be, be presenting as the same thing. And, and really the nomenclature doesn't matter. But regardless, I do want to give a shout out to Nick Underhill. He's a beat reporter for the Saints. I was listening to his podcast today and he was talking about the last two days of Alvin Kamara moving around on the field looking great, looking like himself, looking totally normal, uh, which is encouraging because these injections, as you know, Edwin, help to reduce short-term pain, right? So they get they kind of mm-hmm. get you over the hump with rehab. If you're having like a, a long-standing injury or like rehab just isn't working or something like that, they're really good for calming down inflammation and pain in the short term. And then performance usually is, is really good in the first several weeks after. But their shelf life isn't forever, right? Like it's, it's like a, a two to three month kind of span that these injections usually work for. So if you're telling me I, I have full confidence that Alvin Kamara is going to be 100% in week 17, I don't know. I mean, it's football and it's running backs, right? So that's that's the factor there. But I think he'll be okay to start the season. It's just a matter of like how serious is the, the injury going on and to what degree. And we just don't know. So I still am taking Alvin Kamara in the first round but I'm not leaving my draft without Latavius Murray as insurance later in the draft. How far did, well, um, that's, I, I, that was a leading question. Did you drop Alvin Kamara in your ranks? I took him from four to five and I put Derek Henry right above him. I don't hate that anyway. I mean, I don't hate that at all. Yeah. In fact, it's a matter of like safety, you know? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It sucks, right? Because we don't, we assume, considering that it's an epidural technique, we assume that it was a steroid injection. Um, we assume that it was a step up from the general uh, Katorilac, but it could still have been, you know, a, a, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the, the most recent reports. My head hurts from honestly talking about this so much <laughs> because I was going back and forth between like, well, was it Katorilac? Was it a steroid? I don't even remember at this point. Um, but either way, right. You don't like when a player, when like you said, a running back that takes the most contact um, at the at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack is getting a, an injection before the season even starts, right? The last time that he put pads on was was gosh, what January? That's the last yeah. time that he put December, January. So January, yeah. why is this just now happening? And that that's where my concern lies. But it's like the the flip side is, are you really going to fade Alvin Kamara like like that far? Are you really going to take him outside of the top five six picks? That's hard to do. That's why I feel like there wasn't really an actionable thing to, or like an actionable item, you know, when it comes to Alvin Kamara's, um, Alvin Kamara's injury. So I'm glad we are as usual, simpatico on this one. Did you uh, have anything else to add on him? Uh, Well, this is just like a fantasy kind of funny story. So at the time of all this going on, it was like the Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara craziness. I hopped in an underdog uh, best ball draft just to see like what people were doing. And I had the ninth pick. I took Devontae Adams. Alvin Kamara kept falling. And then I got him in the second round with my next pick because people were no, just like, whoa, didn't. like, no, no way you am didn't. I doing this. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was shocked. I was, was this an shocked. industry league? Uh, no. So on Underdog, it's it's all random people like oh, oh, okay. for the draft with you. Um, and you don't know ahead of time. It's just whenever the draft starts. But yeah, random dudes that were just passing on Alvin Kamara <laughs> until the second round. So 
the, the, Yikes. the fear is out there in the, the, <laughs> the fear is out there. All right. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Don't fade him to the second round guys. I guess we should clarify. Don't do that. Yes. Don't do that. We are, we are slightly, I wouldn't say we are not, not concerned. We'll put it that way. Um, but, but also don't let him fade past the first six picks of your draft. Um, the last dude I wanted to talk about, and I want the more from like a strength and conditioning sort of standpoint, I guess, is David Johnson, man. Like, I think he's just reached the point where he's not for a human being. He's not washed for a human being. He's not toast like an average person. He is still, you know, got more athleticism in his pinky than I have in my entire body. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to NFL standards and NFL athleticism and being the elite of the elite, I just think that we are seeing the beginnings. If not, we're in the middle towards the end of him losing, having lost a step. Um, that's, that's how I view him anyway, because I don't really see any significant injuries that could have been hampering him as long as they did for, and, and have him fall as, as long as he did. I think that the, the plays and the, the games that specifically people cite, um, in, in 2019, when they say, you know, he was still doing this and still doing that. I think those are valid points to bring up, but I think they're viewing it from like, see, that's evidence that he is still, you know, he still got it. Um, and he can still do it. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I, I think I view it a little differently in the sense of like, I watch him do those things and I'm like, yeah, he can still do it on an inconsistent basis. He's simply lost a step when people cite the games where he's still, you know, making Bobby Wagner miss and he's still looking flashy and explosive. And they use that as evidence for, Hey, you see this, he can still do it. He still got it. I say, yes, I think he does still have it. I think he does still have athleticism. He's got something left in the tank, but I think that the rest of the body of evidence, the plurality of the evidence is that at this point, he's doing this less consistently. You know what I mean? He's doing it um, at a rate and at a clip that just isn't going to hold up anymore. Like we saw him do in 2016. I think that the plays that he has now are in spite of his, you know, slowing down as opposed to the fa- you know, just the opposite of that. Like he's still, that he still has a hundred percent. What do you think about that? Do you disagree with me? Tell me I'm dumb. If you think I'm disagree, if you disagree. <laughs> it's such a tricky situation, right? Because I kind of go back and forth. I mean, everyone has seen the clip on Twitter of David Johnson running to the left side of the line with a refrigerator on his back, slow as molasses, and can't get to the corner and can't (laughs) cut up field. We've all seen that. And so I feel like there's now this like impression in your head. like It's like your first impression of a player in the offseason. And you you just remember that. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he was terrible. He was slow. I, I don't know, man. I mean, he is a guy who, just looking at like his injury history... It doesn't really make sense that that I, I agree with you that he wouldn't be like this dropped off so far in production because of injury. We're talking about a wrist surgery. We're talking about um, an ankle injury. We're talking about a mild back injury throughout the, uh, the last season. And really, I mean, there's no correlation there, right? Like we talk about it all the time. Like what is the what is the recurring factor in this player's injury profile? And for him, it's not there. So I'm hesitant to say like he's washed, but I'm also not saying like his performance is so bad because he was just so injured. I feel like we don't really know. And the one thing I do know though, is that Bill O'Brien is going to put the ball in David Johnson's hands over and over and over again after trading away DeAndre Hopkins and giving Carlos freaking high 242 carries last year. So yeah, man, he's so tough to me. Like he is going to be 
most likely just like a volume based RB2 and I don't see much more than that. So it, yeah, I, I'm kind of stuck in the middle on him and like to me he's just he's fine. <laughs> I'm not super excited about him, but if I miss <laughs> out or if I go like anchor RB strategy like just one running back early, then I'll scoop him up as just a volume based guy, but certainly I think his best days are probably behind him. I think that the well, you made a really good point too. You're like if I go anchor strategy um, what I thought you were going to say, <laughs> what I thought you were going to say was if I go anchor strategy, it's definitely not going to be David Johnson. That's my anchor, <laughs> well, <that is> true. <laughs> which like, which like, I feel like would have only emphasized your point that he's not going to be that dude anymore. And it's funny. You mentioned Carlos Hyde, um, from that, from that perspective, like, I think that just might be athletically speaking, maybe like the floor for David Johnson is like a Carlos Hyde type season. But I also don't think the ceiling is much higher than that. Um, no, I'm with you. I think, like, to me, his ceiling is like RB like 14. I don't know. About I've seen, I'm seeing RB 10. Some people predicting him RB 10. Uh, I can't. I can't put him there. I can't even project that. Where do you have him? I've got him at 21, just behind James Conner. Not bad. I mean, that's not. I feel like that's more reasonable than than top 10. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad we agree on that one too. The last thing that I want to touch on, unless you disagree, Doc. Miles Sanders is fine, right? Yes. Everything that we've been seeing out of Philly has been saying this is not a concern. They're going to take a conservative with him because he's the dude. And then they just, you know, cut their backup running backs. They only have three entering the season. So they would not have done that uh, if there was a concern about Miles Sanders, especially week one. So, yeah, man, I'm with you. I think he's fine. Awesome. And then Kenyon Drake also think he's fine. What do you think? Yes, the walking boot scare is over. He is now back on the field. And really, you know, for our listeners that don't really know, like understand like why someone would go in a walking boot versus not, it seems like such a drastic measure. But it's almost like if you have a sprain in your foot or ankle or it's sore or the joint is a little irritated, like if you just immobilize it and just don't let it get stressed when you walk, that's what the walking boot does. It protects it. Things calm down like super quick. So you'll see this in the NFL. Guys are in a walking boot all the time when it's not that serious. And for me with Kenny Drake, this is kind of the same situation. I'm not that concerned at all. Any other players you want to hit on before we get you out of here so you can get to your whiskey and I can get to my white claws. <laughs> Good man. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any that we missed that are, that are glaring? I don't think we missed any. That's like the, the biggest ones I think people need to know about uh, for draft weekend. Who do you trust more? Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Stafford from an injury perspective? Oh, Matthew Stafford. Yeah, a little nervous, yeah. a little nervous about big man, huh? What do you think about Juju and uh, Deontay then? I actually think both are going to be fine. But if you're like telling me there's a little bit more risk with one person than the other, I think it's uh, big Ben. But I like both and I actually am really comfortable with both. Yeah, I can see. I can. So, you know, at least two, you know, for at least two weeks, the Steelers are going to have to air it out against Baltimore. They're going to have to score points. I mean, they're just going to have to. Um, just for the, I'm like excited to see that stat line of Lamar Jackson and Ben Roethlisberger, those two weeks that they play. Um, anybody else? I don't know, man. I'm trying to think. I feel like that's, that's a solid list. We just blitzed through those. Yeah. It's a blitzkrieg. I think there's probably listeners that are like screaming at their, (laughs) at their phone or like at their, uh, their app to be like, you guys didn't talk about this player or that player, but right. Exactly. You know, hit up Edwin on, on Twitter, hit up, you know, myself on Twitter, We'll help you guys out. And of course, check out Edwin's work on Fantasy Points, man. He's crushing it. 
No, man, you're doing just as well. You, uh, you and your, your company over at ball blast is putting out, putting out content at an incredible rate, man. Like I look at some of the stuff you guys are putting out and you're doing, you're doing really well. Go check out Dr. Matthew Betts's work, um, at ballblastfootball.com. Go check out his work at red shirts, FF pod, go check out his work at the FF ballers. I'm excited for that. Uh, for that podcast to come, uh, it's going to be, is it going to be like a DFS injury type mashup or what's it going to, is it just going to be pure DFS? Yeah, pure DFS. I mean, I'll, I'll of course sprinkle in some injury stuff here and there, but I'll actually be recording and this is ex- exclusively for the foot clan. So the supporters at patreon.com slash the fantasy footballers, um, an injury specific podcast. It's going to be like 20 minutes long running through the entire week's injuries. It drops on Saturdays to get you ready for Sunday. So that is exclusive for the supporters over there at uh, at the Foot Clan. Beautiful. Make sure you all, if you don't already, follow at the Fantasy PT Dr. Matthew Betts on Twitter. Follow me at FB Injury Doc. That is it. Hopefully, this was helpful. We will catch you on the flip side. Get that whiskey, man. <laughs>